We come as your children hearing the calling to overcome. We want to respond by coming to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We trust you to keep us. To make us more than conquerors. Through Jesus Christ who loves us. We open the word of God. To learn how to overcome in these days. To help us illumine our eyes. We depend upon your spirit so that we might hear what you are saying to your church. Help us in this hour in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We have been sharing in a season on overcoming. The precious word before us is from Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says there that the overcomers overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life, even unto death. Now this morning we want to continue our thoughts on this matter of overcoming. May the Lord strengthen us. To be those as we just sang who are raptured to the throne by his mighty name. This morning we want to look at two of the seven churches mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. We'll look at the church of Pergamum and the church at Thyatira. So let's read these verses beginning in chapter 2 and verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells.我知道你的居所就是有撒旦座位之处，我当忠心的见证人安提帕在你们中间撒旦所住的地方被杀之时，你还坚守我的名，没有言绝我的道。But I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam. Who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality? So you also have some who, in the same way, hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. 巴勒将绊脚石放在以色列人面前 
Therefore repent, or else I am coming to you quickly and will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. 所以你当悔改，若不悔改，我就快临到你那里，用我口中的教呃的剑攻击他们。圣灵向众教会所说的话，凡有耳的就应当听。得胜的我必将那隐藏的马拿赐给他，并赐他一块白石，石上写着新名
and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the pot, uh, potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 那得胜又遵守我命令的到底的，我要赐给他权柄，赐福列国，他必用铁杖辖管他们，将他们如同灭虎的瓦器打的粉碎，像我从我父领受的权柄一样，我又要把诚心赐给他。圣灵向众教会
It's hard for us to realize. Except when we look at this passage. That as we gather as the church. It's hard sometimes to remember that which is really important. In these last days. If you look at this church. Do you look at its size? Do you look at its works? Do you look at its uh, teachings? No, there are two things precious. And the church needs this if we are to overcome. What are these? Number one. We need to be able to hear the Spirit speaking to the church. Now the Spirit is speaking. Calling for overcomers. It's a living word. It goes forth today. But if we don't hear it, we cannot overcome. How do we know what the Lord wants unless we hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church? That's why it's so important. Lord's and what's the second thing that's of great value? We have a treasure in our midst. A golden lampstand. There is this golden lampstand. It's made all of gold. It's some of the gold in you, it's some of the gold in you, some of the gold in me. We stand together as the church. This gold is the life of Christ. It needs to be pure gold. So we know the Lord is purifying us. On this earth, in this day, God the Father wants a lamp shining with Jesus' life. And he wants a lampstand, the church, that that life can sit upon. The light of the world is Jesus. And until the day that Satan falls to the earth, no matter how dark the moment of history is, God the Father. Wants the light of Jesus in this world. Now, do we, re- as the church, realize this precious treasure we have? To hold the testimony of Jesus until He raptures us. Will we be faithful? This is the question. Now the Lord doesn't leave us alone. We discover here in Revelation that just as the Lord did back in the end of the first century, so He does today. When John's eyes were opened, he realized that Jesus is very near to His church. Jesus is sitting in the middle of his church. He is glorious. 
他是荣耀的。He is a high priest.他是这个大祭司。He looks at the churches with high priestly love.他看教会，他就以大祭司的爱来爱他们。The high priest loves holiness.所以大祭司是爱圣洁。He's looking for holiness.他在那边寻找圣洁。He's looking at that gold.他在那边找那个金子。This is what the priest loves. He wants to see gold in our lives. When we gather together, he wants to see the gold of Jesus. Even as he stood among those seven churches, if our eyes could be open, he's right here. He's watching very closely.他非常的仔细在看。We realize by looking at the Old Testament.我们看到旧约的时候，that the high priest had one particular feature about him.所以这个大祭司他有一个特征，he was among all those anointed offices the most detailed.他是是最细的那一个人。Everything in the temple had to be done. Just the right way. 他在圣殿里，一切他都是要看，一切都是正确的，在那边执行。That's why Ezekiel, as the one prophet who was also a priest, gives us so much detail about the house of God, every room, its dimensions, every furnishing, its place. 所以以西结他是一个祭司，他也是一个呃先知，他解释说圣殿每一个。这个地方都有何等的讲得非常的细。And as Ezekiel saw every piece of furniture in that final glorious temple put into place, the glory of God returned to the temple.然后当你看到一切的那些这个不同的家具等等放在里面，然后神的荣耀就进到圣殿里去。Now Jesus is our high priest.所以。now he loves all of us. But he also inspects every detail of our lives. One thing you learn as we grow as a Christian. When we first become Christians, we're glad we're saved. We love Jesus, but we avoid inspection. We want to keep our distance. Because we know there's many things that he wouldn't like. We think we can hide from him. We think we can deceive him. We put on all kinds of religious masks. But Jesus' eyes look right through to the heart. And every time we draw near, He speaks to us. He convicts us. He knows everything about our life. Now there the church of Ephesus we looked at a few times ago. This is the kind of church you and I would like to belong to. They stood for the truth. They were faithful to him. They exposed false teachers. It was a church that was busy, busy, busy. However, when the Lord came very close, he says, I come to you as the one who's holding you in my hand. 
And I'm looking for something. What are you looking for? Bone of my bone. You know who said that? In the Bible? Adam. Adam he saw Eve and said, Now that's bone of my bone. Now that's me. It's like looking in the mirror. She was taken out of that. But we are taken out of the life of Christ. Now he's looking for bone of his bone. He loves his wife. His wife needs to be like him. In character. Holiness. Bone of my bone. But he looks. Something's missing. I gave you my love. Agape. Agape I. Where is my agape back? You've left agape. You're still liking me. You're still my friend. You're doing things out of duty. Are you doing things out of love? I don't see my love. I shed my love abroad into your heart. And I gave you the power to love. Like John says, We agape because he first agape. This isn't the old commandment. This is now a commandment, a new commandment at a higher level. We love him because he first loved us. But he looks closely. Something's missing. But it's something essential. It's possible for the church to be very busy, but to lose that personal inside love in your heart. 教会有可能这个就是没有注重在最重要的事上。Do we have that? 我们有这样子的心吗? Ephesus was told to repent. 以父所神主耶稣叫他们要悔改。As a matter of fact, the Lord said, 然后主这么说, If you don't repent, I'll take that golden lampstand out. 你如果不悔改的话,我把灯台挪去。now the church can still get together. But it has nothing precious about it. It's just saved people who've gotten together. And the church becomes like the temple when the ark was missing. Number one, matter in overcoming. Loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Without that, there's no testimony. And then last time, we looked at the church of Smyrna. Wonderful saints. They were going through great time of persecution. Jesus told them they would go through this persecution for ten days. Now we know that this church was a type of the church in the age of persecution. 
And probably those ten days refers to the ten reigning Caesars that especially persecuted Christians. And during that time, the Caesars killed, martyred many Christians. Now the whole church was called to do two things. Do not fear. Because I am the first and the last. What does that mean? When your circumstances make you afraid, you need to see that Jesus has every part of your life in his hands. He is the first and the last of your life. Every situation to him. So he says, first of all, fear not. Now that's a command. You can't say, oh, but I'm afraid. He says, fear not. And by faith, you can fear not. Because the second calling is the highest calling of the Christian life. And what is that calling? Be faithful unto death. He said to the Smyrnans, uh, so, all of you will be persecuted. Some of you will be jailed. And some of you will be martyred. But whatever situation, whether you're just persecuted, whether you're jailed, or whether you're killed, you stand on the highest testimony, faithful unto death. He says, and I will give you the crown of life. Behold, I was dead, and now I'm alive. Remember that. Be faithful even unto death. Now, this is first love. Do you love Jesus that much? Now, many are fearful they wouldn't be faithful if they came to this kind of persecution. But you don't know what's in your heart. If you know what's in your heart, you will be faithful. So you see, each church goes through something that needs to be overcome. And so now we come to the church in Pergamum. Now, the first thing we want to notice here is in uh, chapter 12, ver uh, chapter 2, verse 12. <coughs> to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. 
当我中心的见证人安提巴在你们中间撒旦所住的地方被杀之时，你还坚守我的名，没有弃绝我的道。Now a number of you perhaps have been on a trip to Asia Minor and visited these ancient cities mentioned in the Book of Revelation.也许你们当中有人去了这个小亚细亚去探望这些不同的地方。when you come to the ruins that used to be the city of Pergamum, it seems very small and insignificant even compared to Ephesus. But Pergamum was the capital Roman city of Asia. Like Ephesus, it had Great temples. There were two special temples, the Temple of Zeus and the Temple of Athene. But here is what the Lord knows. The first thing he said, I know where you dwell. Where Satan's throne is. What is he talking Pergamum became the capital city of the Roman province. Do you know why? It's because it was in Pergamum that they built the first altar to Caesar. While Caesar was still alive, they declared Caesar a god. And they built a throne there. For the God Caesar. Now, when you were in Pergamum, up on the highest hill, was this throne which Jesus called the throne of Satan. Very interesting. And if you lived in Pergamum, when you went before this Temple, there's something you had to do. You had to throw some incense on the altar. And you had to say, Kaisar Kurios. Caesar is Lord. Now, if you were a Christian, and you did not say Caesar is Lord. They would ask you, Why didn't you say Caesar is Lord? And it's because you said, I only say, Christos Kurios. Christ is Lord. And the first thing that Jesus does is commend these saints in Pergamon. You have not denied my name. This governmental seat had become a seat of Satan. Worshipping man is God. 
but probably Antipas. That's the issue. Antipas, this dear martyr whose name is recorded forever in the book of life. Refused to say Caesar is Lord. And he was martyred. Now this was the nature of that city in Pergamum. And there was a persecution. It wasn't religious. It was government persecution. The Roman law. And all of these dear saints in Pergamon were underneath. But you did not deny my name. Now, isn't that wonderful? Now the pressure of government is you must say. I pledge my allegiance. But if you're a Christian, you say, my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying you can't say I pledge allegiance to the flag, you know. Now, this is talking about spirit, spiritually not compromising. Who is Lord of your life? Are you willing to stand up and say Jesus Christ? To those you work among? Jesus Christ is Lord. So you did not deny my name. But you also did not deny my faith. So they remain trusting in the Lord. Now the Lord knows each situation is different. And the outstanding feature in Pergamum is where they have to live. In some ways living in New York City is not unlike living in Pergamum. There's much idolatry, there's much sin. And there's the power of world rulers over Will we overcome and be faithful? Right now we have relative freedom. You know, there's some dear brothers and sisters in other countries of this world who live under the constant threat of government persecution. And Jesus calls it the throne of the devil. But when we see Jesus speaking to Pergamum, we notice that he comes to them in verse 12 as one who has the sharp two-edged sword. Now we always know by who, how Jesus identifies himself what the issue is. When, when Jesus comes as the sharp two-edged sword, we know the issue is the Word of God. There's something wrong. 
says, I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam. And then it also says, you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaites. This means that there were some brothers in their midst who were holding forth a teaching. And it was leavened. And it was corrupting the holiness of the saints. Now, if you remember the story of Balaam, his story really has two chapters. The first is when he had to stand up on top of the mountain as the children of Israel went by and prophesied. Now he was already corrupt. Why? Because he preached for pay. And so they gave him a lot of money. So they And he stood up. But the Holy Spirit shook him. Don't say anything except what I tell you, or I'll kill you. So you remember, Balaam blessed the children of Israel. A lot of Donald Trump's money went down the drain. <laughs> so we know Balaam had to say what God told him. But later on, this came Balak came. Balaam and said, Can't you do something for me? Balaam had an idea. As the as the men of Israel are marching through the wilderness, we'll set up these little shrines. These are shrines to Baal Peor. God and in these shrines, 然后在这一些的坛上, we will place female prostitutes. They will invite the men in. For a time of worship. You see, they had these religious festivals and orgies in the name of the God. And they put a stumbling block in the way of the men. And when God judged these men, thousands because they went after these harlots. So Balaam corrupted the children of Israel. And these who were holding the teaching of Balaam are those who are corrupting the holy lives of the saints with teachings. They were preaching. They were teaching. But they were teaching the word. With the leaven of man's interpretation. A loose interpretation. Uh, uh, an interpretation that allowed people to do what they want. 
And so the saints in Pergamon were being tempted by such kind of teaching. Oh, it's good to be a Christian. But you can drink. You can involve yourself in sex sometimes. You can even have special feasts to gods. You're a Christian, these things won't hurt you. And they were corrupting the lives of the pure saints. Now you notice this isn't all of those in Pergamum. Jesus says, but I see that there are some of them who hold the teaching of them. Now there are also then he mentioned some holding the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Now, now there's always much discussion about what that means. But from the name itself we get a clue. It comes from two words in Greek. Now there were some men there who were teaching a hierarchical system of ministry over the people of God. So you're in Chalta, so she's Here's how they did it. They went back to the Old Testament. And they took the Old Testament way of the priesthoods and the Levites and the so on and so forth down the line of those in ministry. Now we know when Jesus died for us all, He made us all priests in the body of Christ. And there's no differentiation. Everybody is a brother and a sister. Whether they're a, an apostle or a prophet or an elder, they're, they're just brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. But during this time, there came a time when heresies began to go through the church. Because the church was getting weaker in holding to the word of God. Eventually, very much of the Catholic church structure was built on the Old Testament model of the priesthood. So the word of God was used to teach these things. But it was leaven. It was false. We know one thing about the Nicolaitans regarding Jesus. Jesus said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He spoke to the church of Ephesus about that. 
because they also hated these words. Now why is that? You say, well, what's the big deal? So we have a church government. We have the head guy, and then we have a couple of assistants, and we have some deacons, and whatever. What's the problem? So when you have professional ministry, it does two things. If you give it time, number one, it hinders the body of Christ. We all back away from our responsibility as priests and members of the body of Christ, and we let a few people do all the work. But the second thing is even worse. It usurps the headship of Jesus Christ. You understand? Jesus is the head of the church. You don't stick anybody up out there he is the head. Now this is very personal to me. 1975, I was the pastor of a church. And God showed me a vision of a big body and this little tiny head on the top. And he told me this head was me. And I need to get off the body. And I resigned, Pastor. And I resigned being ordained minister. Brothers and sisters, we don't want in any way to usurp the headship and lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you realize how much he hates that? This is not a small matter. How the body is hindered. I remember one time, one of my sons, we went to a Presbyterian church. It was for a wedding or something. But my, my son grew up in a small fellowship. Breaking bread around the table, worshiping. So he went into the meeting with my wife and I. And they started playing the organ. And my son very innocently said, Oh, Dad, can I ask for a hymn? You can't ask for a hymn. The hymns are already up on the board. 295, 342, 401. It's already there. It's in concrete. It's, it's in the, the book. Program. Program. Oh, such a young brother already hindered from worshiping with his heart. Now what happens to people who live all their life where they are told what to sing, when to sing, and, and then just to listen to the guy who always speaks? You end up with a congregation full of babies. Now we love these little babies that squawk over here every Sunday. 
But I don't know if you've noticed. Our worship has taken another step up because our young teenage brothers and sisters are adding their worship to it. Now watch out, we should never hinder them from being part of the body of Christ. This is a treasure to the Lord. It must be a treasure to us. Now brothers and sisters, the problem behind these teachings is twofold. Where in the Bible does it ever say that we're to hold to a teaching? I don't care what teaching, maybe a good teaching. These were holding to a teaching. We're never told to hold to a teaching. To hold fast to our head, Jesus Christ. And to hold fast to the Word of God. We will see that the church in Philadelphia was commended on this very point. Twice Jesus draws near to this church and says, You have kept my word. You have kept the word of my patience. Now, these brothers in Pergamum had the word of God. But I say to you, that's not enough to keep us from going astray. How do we keep the word of God pure in our midst? It's not enough for us to hold the word of God. We must hold the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Why was John on the island? Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Why were the martyrs under the altar in Revelation chapter 6? For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now I don't I don't know if you understand that. But let me make it very simple. The word of God can only be shared in purity. When the lamp of Jesus is lighting the word. We understand the word of God through Jesus Christ. This is what John was trying to recover when he gave the beginning of his gospel. Jesus is the word. You say you have the scriptures. You say you have a teaching. I say, unless you have Jesus the Logos, your teaching can go straight. Even with a lot of Bible mouth, only 
Jesus and his testimony. hold us in the light of the truth of the word The Bible puts it in a couple of more practical ways. How can the word of God remain pure? And we hold fast to it. And these people with these teachings will not affect us. It's when our word is the word of the cross. What is the word of the cross? Paul ministered the word of the cross to the Corinthians. You see, the Corinthians were doing a lot of things in the flesh. But the word of the cross came. And uh, it, 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 it disallowed these fleshly teachings. It's like you remember in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden they looked back and saw cherubim with a flaming sword why were the flaming sword spinning so that they couldn't go back why? they were guarding the tree of life the word of the cross guards the tree of life among the saints it is so difficult for us in the flesh not to pursue after doctrines that were gained by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil 我们不去追寻那个是吃过知识善恶素后的这个结果。Almost every heresy in the church during the Pergamum age of heresy,所以不别加摩教会那个时候所有的异端,they were teaching started by very smart men,所以他们的教导都是一些非常聪明的人所开始的。They ate from the Gnostic tree. 但是他们吃到那些诺斯底派人或者是那些希腊的哲学的人的教导或者是那些希腊的哲学的人的教导 but the word of the cross lays to death this kind of false the Bible also says the word of God must be the living word sharper than any two-edged sword which is able to separate soul and spirit from our lives that is to say it can separate soulish knowledge from spiritual revelation those two things can look very similar soulish spiritual revelation the word cuts and pushes aside that which is so. 
and it reveals that which is taught by the Holy Spirit. And so the word of God. We must fight. For the word of God. And the testimony of Jesus. You lose that testimony of Jesus. And you can take that word and twist it any way you want. But with Jesus in the midst inspecting and speaking with his tongue as a sharp two-edged sword. He can bring correction to the church when it begins to go astray. That's why Paul says we're in spiritual warfare. So you must cover your loins with truth. And you must hold the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as in Jude, in Jude verse 3, it says, Only then can you contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Now, are you a student of the Word? Are you reading the Bible through? Do you have a discipline regarding Bible reading? We all must obey what Paul tells us. Study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Now two things I want to say. To those who were faithful. He says, To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. That's precious. He will speak to you from his word. Manna every day. You'll stand under the testimony of Jesus. And do you know what happened during this Pergamum age of heresies? You know, many councils to try to say what is true doctrine, season of heresy, some faithful brethren got together. And they canonized the Word of God. You know what means? It's in this period of time that they gave us our Bible as we have it. They decided on the 27 books of the New Testament. And they held fast to this word. Now, for the sake of time, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe we should just rest on this and we'll take Thyatira next time. But listen to what uh, Jesus says to the people of Pergamum in verse 16. Therefore, repent. 
or else I am coming to you quickly and will make war against them with the word of my mouth. Now there's a warning. These teachings Jesus would slay by the power of the word of God. You know, Jesus' word comes to us. It comes to us as either grace or judgment. If we obey, it's grace. Obey my word. Repent of these teachings. Hold fast to my word. Bear the testimony of Jesus. And if we say, I repent, may we say, I repent. May we only hold the testimony of Jesus and the pure word of God. May the Lord help us. This is overcoming. This is grace. But if we do not repent, we hold spurious teachings. Then the word comes into such an assembly, begins to split it up, cut it up, cause all kinds of problems. Jesus is guarding his own testimony. And Jesus tells us here how important the word of God is if we are to overcome. Now, brothers and sisters, there are many teachings we hear. And we have no problem with with the teachings regarding eternal purpose. Regarding the body of Christ. Kingdom teaching and rewards. But we hold to the living word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Some of our interpretations may be partly true. Some things are still a mystery. But the living word we can trust. And may it be the word of the cross for us. It's when we come before his cross. And we we say what he told the Corinthians. He said that he's smart Corinthians. Anyone who thinks he knows doesn't know as he ought to know. So we who have received much good teaching, we bring it to the foot of the cross. Because what we want is life. The brethren was a recovery movement of God. To a large degree, the church even the Reformed Protestant Church had lost the revelation of the Word of God. Until the brethren came along, not many preachers preached on the second coming of Christ. Not many preachers discerned the difference between the kingdom and the grace in the church. 
But somehow these dear brethren came close enough to the lampstand of Jesus where they saw a fresh light on the Word of God. And it was so fresh. I don't know, how many of you have the book, uh, Christian Chen, where he tells you the best commentaries for every book of the Bible? And bring my parchments with me or something like that? What is it called? Oh, there you go. Uh, Whatever that Mount Tizka. 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 Is that what it's called? Mount Tizka, okay. yes. yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. right, anyway, uh, how many of you have that book? Well, if you open it up and you go like, say, I'm looking at Isaiah. I want a commentary. He has ten commentaries. And the best ones are this brethren teacher, this brethren guy. They were so gifted at the word of God. So what happened? Very simple. The word of God got separated from the testimony of Jesus. And they began to fight each other, each other over the truth. And believe me, when there was the first big split among the brethren, it had to do with something in the doctrine of the atonement, which I don't think most of us would even understand what it was. It was something to do with the blood of Jesus. And two big teachers in the brethren movement disagreed. And for the sake of truth, they divided. Even in Plymouth. Where the Brethren Church was so strong. And then they excommunicated each other. And then everybody who went to their churches was excommunicated from each other. And it was like an atom splitting. They became a closed brethren, the open brethren, the I don't know what I am brethren. And they held to the word. But the light went out. Because you see, in the testimony of Jesus, there is this truth. We have been baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit, and we are one. Now you understand, that takes precedence over your doctrine, my doctrine. Now we might have disagreements. But we are one in spirit. And I can't separate from your life. We have to deal and pray about these values. You see what I'm saying? Such a great movement. But you just can't have the word of God without the testimony. That's why the Lord has to have mercy upon us. To hold us 
in these last days as overcomers. May the Lord keep us in His Word. The Word of the Cross. The Living Word, sharp Only as we yield to His sword can we bear the testimony of Jesus. Let's just have a few prayers. Sword. We just pray, Lord, that as you walk among the golden lampstand, Lord, may you work as the great high priest, Lord, that will help us to divide the truth, Lord. As we pursue you together, Lord, may the life of Christ continue to impart in us, Lord. Lord, so this uh, congregation, Lord, will grow under your shining, Lord. Not only will pursue your word diligently, Lord, but we can be washed and cleansed by you, Lord. Lord, that the life of Christ may shine in our learning and shine in our lives, Lord. Lord, just pray, Lord, that the word will come in us, Lord, to have such a living and operative growth. Lord, just commit ourselves to you, Lord. May you continue to have your way among us, Lord. In Jesus' victorious name I pray. Amen. Amen.